This is Chatting Human Design, the place to be to hear how real people use human design in their everyday life. I'm so excited to have you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Chatting Human Design. I am your host, Janelle Turner. Today's guest is a 6'2 emotional manifesting generator. She holds degrees in leadership development and psychology. She's a certified Clifton Strengths coach. Sounds like an MG to me, right? Please welcome Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so uh, you already mentioned a few things. So I've got my background in leadership development and psychology. Um, I am certified in Clifton Strengths as well as the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So if anyone's ever gotten there, four letter personality type code, that's what that is. Um, and yeah, so I do writing and coaching around those topics because I just love to help people figure out who they are, which is what got me super excited about learning more about human design too. That is awesome. Caitlin stumbled on human design. And when I asked her to be a part of this podcast, it was interesting because most people I ask have already been experimenting with their human design for a little while. And we talk about that. And I knew that this was going to be a different podcast and I'm so freaking excited. So this is going to be a human design Q and a Caitlin has come up with some questions. I don't know these questions and I'm going to do my best to answer them. And it's going to be real. And if I don't know an answer, we're just going to skip and move on to the next question. <laughs> and I'm sure after this podcast, I will furiously be looking it up like, what is the answer to this? But um, yeah, this is going to be a wonderful podcast for anyone who's new to human design, who doesn't really know anything and just wants to kind of hear from someone who also has these questions. Because I know human design is so layered and there's so much information that you see some things and you're like, well, what, what does this mean? And what is exactly what is this? And I get that there's profile and authority and strategy, but like what, and what makes it this way? And I'm very excited because as I said, Caitlin is a very intelligent individual, as you can tell from all of her accolades. So I know these questions are going to be awesome. And I know that she didn't create them to stump me. So I'm putting that out of my mind because I'm trying not to be perfect about this. So we're just going to go and see how it goes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Woohoo. Okay. And you're exactly right. I did not design them to stump you. I know. (laughs) (laughs) At all. She's Um, like, what is the 64th gate in this sun? And just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) No, because I know how that is, right? So these, I have the frameworks that I, that I am, um, uh, have education in, but now I have this one and it's, I get intimidated approaching a new, a new framework. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I understand how layered they can be. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm just excited to start from the top down and, you know, just work, work down to the more detailed ones. But I, there's just so much, I don't know that I'm excited to learn from you. You make my human design heart so happy that you like want to know all this stuff. So, all right, fire away. All right. So my very first question, I'm just curious. um, It's sort of a two-parter. I'm curious of what the origin of human design is. I'm also curious um, what this may or may not be an official thing, or maybe just your own personal take on it. What would you say is the purpose for learning more about our human design? Like what's the overall goal of that somebody might be aiming toward with learning about it? Okay. I love this. First of all, origin of human design. Um, There is a man named Ra Uruhu and he was born um, April 9th, 1948. And he was a teacher. And in 1987, he was in Ibiza and he had 
an eight day experience, sort of like a meditation, transcendental thing, whatever you want to say, where he was visited by the voice. And I know that this sounds a little John Smithy and right Mormony where he got the tablets and yeah, I'm picturing the South Park episode in my head every time I say this, <laughs> but so Ra Uruhu got an eight day meditation download mm-hmm. from the universe that gave him all of the information that we now know as human design. It just mm-hmm. downloaded it into his brain mm-hmm. and he wrote it all in 1989 in a book called Brave I Ching and it's the foundation of human design. I don't have this book because wow. it's, it's like really a little bit archaic and old. I have a lot of other books, but so it came from the sky and he started it. And again, it sounds like a little culty and a little like he had all the information, but he shared it with everybody. He didn't hold it all to himself and mm-hmm. he shared it with everyone. And the, the reason behind it and the reason why I have gravitated so much towards it is because it's everything, but nothing at the same time. It's not a religion or a cult or anything that I subscribe to a thousand percent all of my life. Like I follow human design, like that's not how it works. And Mm -hmm. it's not how it really should work Mm -hmm. for me. It is a way to look at my life that is different from what I have been conditioned to believe Mm. growing up. Mm-hmm. where I had to go to school and get a good degree and get a good job and work really hard, which could look like 50, 60, 70 hours a week for a lot of people and meet somebody and have children and have the house. And like that whole thing, that whole story we've been told our entire lives never, ever felt right to me ever. And I always thought there was something wrong with me. Like, I don't want the same things that everybody else wants. And so when I found human design it kind of was like a permission slip to just live my life how I feel and understand that I don't have consistent access to energy because I'm a projector and that's okay that I take breaks. I used to think that there was a problem with me. Like I, I would be tired for no reason. And I was like, what, what's wrong with me? And I feel like human design has really given me permission to, to have the confidence to step out and feel like my true self without feeling like I'm being indoctrined or like I'm following this one specific thing and I have no other ideas or opinions on anything else. There's Mm -hmm. parts of human design I completely disagree with. And that's why I love it so much is because I can treat it that way. And for the most part, the community is the same. There's certain outliers who are like all or nothing, but most of us, we treat it as such as a tool that we use in our lives to, to see that there might be a different way and that the way that we've been living our life and it doesn't feel right to us and we don't know why, there might be something else. And there's a lot of different like inner work you can do <clears throat> that is similar and that does a lot of this for you. But I find that human design is so much more specific to the person. And when I give readings, it, it feels really empowering to me when I give the readings and the other people are often come away with very empowered. So that's why I love it. And I, before I found human design, I was, and I still feel this way, a very logical like person. And I thought things had to make sense and be smart and like science. And I wasn't into astrology or numerology and that stuff. That was all woo woo to me. Mm-hmm. And I, and I came to human design and I ran away from it a couple of times because of that reason. Yeah. And then I just always kept coming back because I was like, you know, 
even if it is a little woo woo, it's actually really helping me. And I've done stuff in my life that I would never have done. So, yeah, I love that. Um, you just reminded me, um, I was, I run a clubhouse room once a week, just talking about personality stuff, strengths, all these kinds of things. And we had this discussion that the thing that comes up so often when anyone talks about a framework that has been helpful to them, the way they found it was, well, I just kept wondering what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, we're looking for what's wrong with me. And in the end, what we find is that the answer is nothing. Nothing is wrong with you. A lot of times it's just the context or whatever it is that, um, that you might be feeling this way. So to find something like you, I love what you said, how it's a tool Mm. And to the, I think all of these tools are helpful to the degree that we find them useful, you know, exactly. helping in your life. None of them is infallible or, or the, the be all end all, mm -hmm. but they can all be really helpful, um, depending on how we apply them. So I love that. Exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. how I feel too. Um, all right. So then my other question, so then I just kind of want to get into more specifics, like, okay, what is the framework? What does this look like? So my first question was just whether you can tell me a little bit about each type and what distinguishes them from one another. Oh, heck yeah, I can. Okay. So there are five energy types in human design mm -hmm. and we'll start with the two most common manifesting generators and generators mm -hmm. are very similar in type. Uh, when we talk about type, we're talking about what you, how you're here to use your energy and manifesting generators and generators are here to use their energy by doing what lights them up. Mm. And that's pretty much it. So mm. manifesting generators and generators, um, we, I, when I talk to them, it's usually a lot of conditioning around being selfish versus selfless. Mm. And they really feel like if they do only the things that they enjoy doing, that's a huge selfish thing. And they, so they kind of gravitate away, but really it's more, do more of what you like and feel really selfish, like sit in the selfishness and you'll feel a lot better and more empowered because when you're doing what you enjoy, you give off energy. Mm -hmm. And this is energy that the rest of us don't have consistent access to. Manifesting generators and generators have a sacral motor. That's what keeps you working. That's what, what gives you the energy for life for uh, having a family and children and really just moving along. Mm -hmm. And the rest of us have inconsistent access to that energy. When we are around you, we pick it up. So when I, I'm a projector and when I'm around a generator, I pick up the energy and I'm like, all right, let's get moving, let's get going. But after a while, I have to make sure I'm aware of this so that I take a break because I can really hang on to that energy and run myself ragged. I do it at the restaurant all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I have to step away and go, oh, okay, that's not me. That's other people's energy. And that's, what's keeping me moving along. So you keep the rest of us moving along. It's very important that you do what you enjoy. Um, okay. So projectors, that's my type. Uh, projectors are here to guide. So while manifesting generators and generators are here to do, mm -hmm. we are here to not do, we are here to guide you. So a lot of times it's described as the projectors are the birds in the trees and mm -hmm. we are here to show you, okay, try going this way. All right. You've been going this way for a really long time. Why don't you try making a right or left or stopping or backing up? Mm -hmm. So while generators and manifesting generators are here to do and keep things moving along, they don't really see, they um, don't see like where they're supposed to go. They just kind of do stuff. Mm -hmm. And we, we, kind of position you and say, all right, because we as projectors see, and we see into you in a way that other types do not. 
and it can be uncomfortable for people sometimes because we get really like we can see into your vulnerabilities and all that kind of stuff. But it's really for the purpose of guidance. Mm-hmm. And then let's see, do, do, do. Oh, manifestors. That's the fourth type. Manifestors are here to initiate, and they're the only type that are here to initiate without any outside help or anything like that. Generators and manifesting generators respond to life mm-hmm. rather than initiate. You're here to look at the things that pop up for you in your life and go, yes, I like this. No, yes, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Manifestors are here to go to start and to just say, I don't need to screw you guys. I'm going to go. And they Mm -hmm. just go. And they're the only type that is here to do this. So it's really important that they understand the power that they have, but also that they don't try to initiate everything for everyone because they want, they'll feel that like, oh, I'm going to start this for you and you and you Mm -hmm. No, it's more start the things pass them on, get people, other people to do stuff for you and then continue starting. Manifestors are here for the start. Like that's their thing. And then reflectors, that's the least common type, less than 1% of the population are reflectors. They're here to be a mirror to us for about, uh, of the rest of the community or society. So, or like a barometer, that's probably a better word. So the reflector reflects back onto us how, the community is doing, the society, the world. A lot of times when things are going on in the world that are really hectic and crazy, they can feel like that Mm -hmm. and they reflect that back out into the world. So they're here to really show us as a whole where we're at. They kind of give us a grade at the time, like, oh, B plus guys, you're doing pretty good. Or or uh, we're at D, we need, to, we need to raise it up. And they can, it can be anything that they get attached to. Usually it's something that has to do with the planet. So environmental, uh, pl- uh, animals, um, plants, all that kind of stuff. So if anything is going on like environmentally in the world that can really mess with them a little bit. And they're super important because like I said, they show us this stuff so that we can go, oh shoot, like we need, we need to make a change. And so with reflectors, it's really important that they find places that they enjoy and people that they like because they take in everything. They're completely open in their chart. They're all white. Wow. So, except That's- for gates and they have gates too. They have little colors, gates, their centers are all white, I should say. Oh, okay. So would, it, would that be like a lot of people who end up, um, like I'm thinking of like a Martin Luther King or Martin Luther King Jr. or somebody like that. Um, I don't know if that would be his his um, type, but I'm thinking of people like that who kind mm-hmm. of um, step up in the world and mm-hmm. are basically saying, hey, everyone, here's what's going on. I don't know yep. if you see this clearly. Is that kind of what they, yes. the role they tend to kind of play? Awesome. Yeah, very much. And a lot of times they are not aware that this is their role. And so mm-hmm. it can be hard for them to hear like, oh, I have to, I have to, tell people or oh, I have to show up for people mm. and because they're a reflector and they have all nine centers undefined they have what we call in human design a teflon coating and this means that energetically you would think that they just pick up every on everything and are always have everybody else's energy in them because they're open and they were exhausted and just frazzled mm-hmm. but they have a coating that they don't hang on to the energy they sample so they'll they could be around an emotionally charged situation, let's say, and pick up on that emotional energy and it could not feel great, but it doesn't hang around very long. It slips right off them. So mm-hmm. they kind of sample other people's energies and take what they want and leave what they don't. And it doesn't affect them as 
much as it can someone else with the same open center. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I love reflectors. This is all like so interesting already. I'm like, oh, I want to dive in even more. Um, awesome. Okay. So I think you kind of answered because my, my next question was going to be about strategy, but it sounds like you just covered those, the four. Yeah. Strategy is, um, how we, a decision-making process that we use. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, most, most people's strategy is started with the word weight and that can really throw people off and it's very uh, limiting for them. And mm -hmm. so I don't really like the word weight. It's more for generators and manifesting generators, you respond to things in your life. So you just need to get more open to hearing the opportunities and seeing the opportunities that are put in front of you. And that can be from other people or it can be from the universe, like signs and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. numbers that you see repeating all that kind of stuff for manifesting generators and generators is kind of there to like, for you to just say yes or no, or maybe you can also have a maybe where you need to take time. Um, projectors wait for, it's called waiting for the invitation, but I prefer honing your gifts. So basically what we do is we work on our niche and we do work on the things that we love and we share those and we mm -hmm. wait for people to come and ask us about them. So very much how you and I got to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, right. Crazy manifestors initiate, 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 initiate and reflectors. Actually, I didn't say their, their strategy, yeah. but it's called wait. It's, 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 they're supposed to wait a lunar cycle. So 28 days because during that 28 day period, the stars and planets go through all the gates and channels of your whole body. And so you feel the energy throughout that time as a reflector. And that's when they make big decisions. This is for big decisions and decisions that involve other people. It's not for like, what am I gonna have for breakfast or stuff that has to do with just you, yeah. like personal choice decisions. You don't need to, you can wait as long or as little as you want, mm -hmm. but um, ultimately the strategy is here to show us sometimes it's better to not just leap into things blindly or force things to go because mm -hmm. it's either not the right time or it's not the right opportunity. So that's actually really helped me. I didn't think it would because I don't like to wait for anything, yeah. but <laughs> it has actually really helped me to see opportunities that come to me. And I'm like, Oh, like this person actually wants to hear what I have to say, or people have been asking to be on the podcast, which I never thought was going to be a thing that people yeah. would message me and say, Hey, I want to be on the podcast. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's a massive invitation. Yes. You're on the podcast. So uh, strategy is pretty important. Strategy, authority, type, and profile are like the main, the big four. Yeah. Strategy, authority, type, and profile. Awesome. Okay. So before I jump, I want to jump into authority, but first I had a quick clarifying question. Okay. Um, so a manifesting generator. So there are generators, man manifestors, but manifesting generator falls under being a generator. Is there any, is there a reason it's called a manifesting generator? It, is it at all related to manifestor? Yes. Yes. And yes. Um, when you're a manifesting generator, the the difference that you have between a generator and a manifesting generator is pretty small. Mm -hmm. You have a motor. So there's four motor centers, um, the sacral root, heart and uh, solar plexus. Mm -hmm. And one of those is going to be connected to the throat. So mm -hmm. when that happens, you have more of an initiating power. This mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're an initiator, like a manifester. You're like a hybrid. And this, this just means that 
you have more leeway when it comes to when you make choices and when you change your mind, because manifesting generators are big on needing to be able to change their mind if they want to, or, or not do the thing that they said they were going to do or turn left when they said they were going to turn right, or, Hey, I'm really into this thing. Okay. Now I'm not. And I'm over here. That's how manifesting generators work. They're kind of just everywhere. And they have a lot of different interests that might not necessarily be under the same umbrella. They just have a lot going on and they can, and they can function that way. Great multitaskers, manifesting generators. Generators are more, I wouldn't say single focus because it's not that they have one thing that they're into, but it's more of a, when they get on something, they don't generally change their mind as quickly. You just move faster. You move faster, you make decisions faster and you have initiating power depending on where your uh, motor to the throat connection is. Yours is, where is yours? Ooh, yours is heart to throat. <laughs> so that means that when you speak, you speak from your soul and from a place that's really vulnerable to criticism. And you don't say things just to talk. You, when you have something to say, it's from a place of like, no, like I really, I need to get my point across, like, listen to what I have to say. Mm-hmm. And when you have the heart to throat connection, you also have it connected to your spleen, which is about in the moment timing and like doing things in the moment mm-hmm. and making decisions in the moment. So that might mean that sometimes you say things without thinking about it first, because you just are into it and into your groove and you're going to say it. Um, and this can also mean that sometimes you speak from a place of fear because the spleen is also the house of, or the center for fear. Um, and this isn't a bad thing. Nothing in human design is good or bad. It's just the way that you communicate sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. So the real difference is you move faster and you kind of have more going on and your path is just kind of more here, 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 fast, fast, fast. And generators are more like the steady train going in a direction. So they're not that different. It's just a little bit more, your aura is bigger and louder. So when you go places, even if you don't speak or do anything, your aura is seen and heard before you get there. It's just, you're just, you're more. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So now are there any numbers you may not know this off the top of your head, but, um, cause I saw them called pure generators, which I guess is just generator is a slash mm-hmm. pure generator and then manifesting generators. Is there, um, I know that overall they're like 70% of the population that's two combined, but, mm-hmm. um, is there anything on what percentage might be pure and what percentage might be manifesting? Manifesting generators, I think are 34 and regular generators, I think are 32. So they're very close thirties. They're both in the mid thirties. And the thing of it is, is certain views on human design don't have manifesting generators at all as, as a category, which is kind of crazy. They just have the four and manifesting generators to them fall in the category of generators. But the reason that I, I go with the five is because in 2027, there's going to be a huge shift in the energy Mm -hmm. and projectors are going to start to rule the world, which makes me very happy because Mm -hmm. up until then it will have been manifestors and generators because Mm -hmm. they are the ones that set up the whole 
we need to work, 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 give 110% and, and really exhaust ourselves completely. And that's how we know we are worth something. That's, mm-hmm. that's what, what they've taught us and it's going to shift and manifestors are actually going to become extinct. So uh, they're yeah. only eight, they're only eight part of 8% of the population right now, but there, when you run charts of babies and stuff that are born now, they get smaller and smaller and smaller until it's just going to be manifesting generators, generators, projectors, and reflectors. Wow. Like oh, now I'm excited to do my son's years. chart later. Um. <laughs> and this doesn't mean that like they don't exist. Yeah. It just means that the manifester and the generator have kind of come together and we don't need pure manifestors. We don't need pure initiation. We need a generator and a manifestor together. So it's just kind of, we don't need all that initiating power in one person. It's like, we don't need to have that, that they need to have, they should be able to do other things. And we don't need people that are just here to initiate solely. So I think that's why it is. And it, I don't mean to scare people who are manifestors or anything like that. You're still obviously needed and wonderful in society. Otherwise we wouldn't have anyone initiating as their sole reason for being. But eventually, yeah, you're just gonna kind of meld. So yeah. there will, there will- They'll be very like rare. That'll be yeah. Cool. Oh yeah, they're yeah. gonna be like diamonds in the rough, and yeah. that will be really cool. But I also think they're gonna have to sort of learn to adapt because it's gonna be very different. I already feel that that shift is coming, where people are learning that they want to live their life more and do stuff for the sake of doing it less. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I was really into human design to begin with. So yeah, Yeah, that's fascinating. And, um, I, I hear so much overlap with, um, as you described what I'd be like as a manifesting generator, given, um, where my, where you said it's connected to the throat. Yes. Yes. Um, Everything you said. So on, for those who know on, on, um, Myers-Briggs, I have the preferences of ENFP. So it's extroversion, intuition, feeling, perceiving. And basically as you were talking and saying how like liking to be spontaneous or wanting to keep options open or be able to change your mind. That's a very perceiver thing. And then Mm -hmm. being open to a lot of different things is a very intuition thing for me. And then the speaking from the heart and the soul is that feeler parts. I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, I'm seeing a lot of, and it goes even deeper than that in Myers-Briggs, but just, you know, for the sake Mm -hmm. of explaining here. And like, I think um, it's really, it's, this is my favorite part of learning different frameworks is seeing the validation between all of them. Right. Where they all come together. It's really cool. It is cool. And it's crazy that you said that because the spleen is also the center for intuition and intuitive hits. So if you have a defined spleen, you have more consistent intuitive hits and the spleen is the quietest center. So it's really hard to hear unless you're listening to your body and you practice listening to your body. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean that we don't all have intuition. It just means that if you have a defined spleen, it's more consistent. Mm-hmm. And when you have those hits, you should pay attention. You don't have to do anything about it. You just should listen. That's all. It's so interesting too, because another thing about ENFPs, we're not always connected to our physical body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yet we have the intuition piece. And I just recently, I've been talking about this a lot, just the last two weeks. That's so it's crazy. so cool. I'm learning this. I said to my husband, you know, I'm trying to stop and be quiet and hear that those little tugs. Mm-hmm. when I'm getting some intuitive feeling. And it makes sense that that would Yay. be the fear thing too, right? Like the intuition. Yeah. yeah. Well, Next most time. people who have a defined spleen um, 
to them into intuitive hits aren't to be trusted they're like why would i trust like a random weird tug or voice or whatever like i don't need to trust that so it's the fear of trusting yourself and trusting what your body is saying, I think. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, people would define spleens. They get those hits more consistently, but a lot of times they're just like, mm, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to listen to you. So the fact that you're stopping and listening is really cool. And like I said, this doesn't mean that you have to do what your intuition says all the time. It's just nice to be aware and go, Oh, okay. And it might put an idea in your head that wasn't there before. And then you ruminate on that idea and it becomes something bigger. So yeah. yeah, it all kind of intertwines together. That's so cool. Yes. Um, I are we good on time for a few? Oh more? yeah, yeah. Okay. Go for it. Um. So I my next question I I said I wanted to touch on authority. So mm-hmm. I know there's inner and outer authority. Can mm-hmm. you explain what those are? And um, I'm curious whether people of different types can have the same or different inner outer. Like, how does that work? Well, we'll start with reflectors because they are the only person that has a uh, lunar authority. So mm-hmm. it's tied to the moon and the phases of the moon mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the only type that has that. So we'll put that one to bed because it's yes and no when it comes to certain types can have certain authorities. Okay. Um, I am a mental projector mm-hmm. and I have what's called sounding board authority and only mental projectors have sounding board authority. It's also called environmental authority. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's called no authority, which is silly because it doesn't make any sense because we still have an authority. It's just, we need to look more out of ourselves than y'all do. And we need to think about how we're feeling energetically in certain places and around mm-hmm. certain people. Our environment is really important and the people we're around are really important. Mm-hmm. And the term soundboarding comes from being around people that you trust and bouncing, literally bouncing your ideas off of them. Mm-hmm. So verbally bouncing your ideas off of them and watching how they change, feeling how they change energetically. Mm-hmm. So I don't, it doesn't matter with the words that I use or what I'm even saying, I'm looking at the person to feel their energy and go, how do they feel about this energetically? Even if they have opinions and they say stuff back to me, that's not what I'm there for. Mm-hmm. I'm there to watch their body language, to feel energetically how they feel. And that to me is where I'm like, oh, this, this might be a good idea, or this might be interesting for people, or, or I don't know if this is going to work. And I do it usually with Sean, but also you can do it alone. You can soundboard with yourself. So basically it's just talking to yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you work on it, and this is how, how I do it a lot, you can feel in your body, like when you say something, how does that sound? Like, how does that sound to you? If, and to me, I do it with, if someone else said those words to you, how would that feel? And so I'll do that to myself. And sometimes I'll even record myself on my phone and then play it back. Mm. And you, and then I pay attention to how it feels inside. I don't pay attention to how I feel in my brain or if I'm trying to be logical or responsible about whatever it is I'm saying. I say, no, no, think about it in terms of the body feeling. Mm. So that's mental projectors, kind of a long-winded mental projector, but um, (laughs) The other authorities are connected to the different uh, centers in the body. So for example, you have emotional authority. Mm-hmm. Any type can have emotional authority. It's the most common, common authority that there is. About half the population have emotional authority. Mm-hmm. And that means that you have a defined solar plexus. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at a chart, solar plexus is the right brown triangle. And if you have a defined solar plexus, you are emotional authority. It is the strongest center in the body. So if it's defined, that's your authority. Like no questions asked, you're an emotional authority. 
Um, this means that you uh, use emotional waves that you have to kind of make choices and decisions. And when you're in a high or a low, it's not the best place to make decisions. You want to be like in the middle where mm-hmm. you feel maybe emotionally detached or even bored with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how you make choices. And um, let's see what else is there. There's sacral authority, which is just generators or manifesting generators. Cause you're the only type with the sacral center. Mm-hmm. And sacral authority is a yes, no authority. And it's basically about asking yourself yes or no questions. When you have sacral authority, you do better with yes or no questions than open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. And you feel in your body, yeses or nos. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how you work with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can practice it by asking themselves yes or no questions. Like, do you want a sandwich? Yes or no, stuff like that. And it helps you feel it out in larger, more important situations. There's splenic authority, which um, is governed by the spleen. And it's really about making decisions in the moment and being very in the moment when you do things. Mm-hmm. And let's see, splenic, sacral. I think I hit all the authorities. Yeah. Oh, there's sounding board authority. That's the one I forgot. Sounding board authority is another specific authority for projectors. Uh-huh. And it's similar Oh, wait, no, I said sounding board. Self-projected, that's what I'm trying to say. Self-projected authority. (laughs) It's similar to sounding board authority, except, and I just did a podcast with a self-projected projector yesterday. So I remember this well. She basically says that she needs someone that she can talk to who will not interrupt her and just let her talk. Because when she's figuring stuff out as a self-projected projector, she just needs to get everything out and have people not say anything. So she's like, it's really hard to find people to do that with because everyone wants to interject. She's like, I pretty much pay people to listen to me because that's yep. the only way that it works. Yep. So I guess if you're a self-projected projector, it just helps to talk and not have any rhyme or reason to what you're saying like not to put parameters on yourself about what you're saying and to just like let the words come out Mm -hmm. so it's very similar yeah I think that's all the authorities I think I hit them all (laughs) super interesting um yeah and a lot of times you do have to I mean that's like um I studied to be a therapist for a couple years before I switched course a little bit and that like basically reflecting and validating back to you what you're saying like that like that's why people pay for it. Cause it's so rare to find, to be able mm-hmm. to find that. Um, and so much of what you're saying, again, kind of reminds me of aspects of Myers-Briggs where, um, people who make decisions either through, um, so there are cognitive functions and there are decision-making functions and there are perceiving functions where we take in information and then it's about processing it. But anyway, as you were talking, I was like, Oh, a lot of this is, sounds to me like extroverted feeling or extroverted thinking where sometimes people figure out what they're thinking or feeling by externalizing it. And that, mm-hmm. like you said, that could be by talking it out. That could be by writing it down mm-hmm. um, and just getting out to kind of, like I say, try it on for size in a way. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that feel like when it, when that, when I say that, and then there's the opposite, there's introverted thinking and introverted feeling. And that's sounds to me more like what you had described. Um, we were talking earlier um, before we started recording about inner authority, outer authority, mm-hmm. Um, so if you're somebody run off inner authority, it sounds to me a lot like the, these, uh, cognitive functions in Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of overlap. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah. And the inner authorities are a little bit more concrete where you can, there's, there's ways you can work with it and practice with it and experiment with it. And the outer authority is a little bit more vague and there's really only two outer authorities. It's my authority as a mental projector and reflectors authority is also outer authority mm-hmm. and it's interesting because 
a lot of times when you tell people this, that are these authorities, they just assume that, oh, so I have no control over my life. Like mm -hmm. I just am here to do what everyone else says and to just flow along and not have any control. And it's, it's a, that is a yes and a no, because we are, we are here to really relinquish a lot of control. And that's what I have where my, a lot of my conditioning stems from, but it's more of just being aware of what's going on in the environment around you and being aware of where you feel really good and the people that make you feel really good, because that's when you're going to, we're going to get opportunities to move along in our path in a way that's aligned for us. Yes. So it's not about like I, you, you guys as inner authority can listen to yourself and trust yourself and stuff like that. And the rest of us can't, it's more, we just kind of have to look outside of ourselves a little bit more and relinquish a control and trust a little bit more, which totally, yeah. is what I've been working on. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand it. And, and I would say same in the Myers-Briggs framework. It's like, just cause I use introverted feeling to make decisions that I definitely um, explore and figure out what other people think and feel about the situation. And then I just sort of filter it and sit with it myself. And so the opposite can be true too, of, um, taking, you know, for those who are, have that outer authority kind of way of going about it is you're maybe polling people, getting a consensus, getting a vibe and a feeling, but that doesn't mean you're not going to check in with how does this feel with me? And exactly. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Very interesting. All right. I think we can do one more. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. And then we'll do this again for sure. Cause this was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was my, Oh, this is what I want to know about. Um, the incarnation cross and oh. what that means exactly. Is it related to like our sense? I was reading a little bit like our sense of purpose or mm -hmm. sort of like the, the, secret treasure that we might be seeking of what it is that we should be doing. Like what, it, what is this exactly? Kind of, yeah. Incarnation cross. So there's quite a few, over a hundred incarnation crosses. And mm -hmm. what, what your incarnation cross is, mm -hmm. is the four gates in your personality, sun and earth and your uh, design sun and earth. So when you're looking at a chart, those boxes on the side, mm -hmm. the top two on the left and the top two on the right. And those four gates make up your purpose or like your main role in life. Mm -hmm. And there's left angle crosses and there's right angle crosses. Mm -hmm. There's also a juxtaposition cross, which is one in the middle, but there's only one. Mm -hmm. And um, if you're a left angle cross, you're here for the other, you have transpersonal energy. Mm -hmm. If you're a right angle cross, you're here for yourself. You have personal energy. So what that means is your main path in life and your main goal in life, if you're a left angle cross is for the other. And if you're a right angle cross, it's for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's it's kind of vague and weird. But when you, when you read the crosses, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad that you asked me this one because I looked up your cross before we started oh. because I wanted to know what you were because I love the crosses. Um, and I'm not as well versed in incarnation crosses as, as some other people are. Cause that's like, that's one of those layers that's mm -hmm. underneath the layers that I haven't gotten to yet, but I do love to read about them and you're the left angle cross of confrontation. Mm. And what that means is that you are here to lead in a way that shakes things up and is usually from the outside. So you might not be a part of whatever it is, but you, you see in and you go, Oh, nope, this needs to change. If you did this, it'd be more streamlined. You make more money if you did this and this and this, and it's really about power 
and control Mm. in in your career and in your personal relationships. And so when I read this as coming from transpersonal energy, you're here for the other. I read this as your energy is so big that it's going to come in and shake things up and change things for people in a way that they might not be comfortable with, or they might look like, whoa, what the hell's going on? But then all of a sudden they're making more money or their process is more streamlined or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you almost don't, you almost can't, it's not like you can't help yourself it's, or can't stop yourself, but it's almost like this energy is pushing you to do this because you know it will help people in the long run. So I think that the power and control energy that you have is more for the other. It's showing them, okay, if you did this this way and did this this way, look, I'm gonna, I have the power right now, but I'm showing you what to do so that when I leave, you have the power and mm-hmm. you are in charge. So that's kind of what you're here to do. And it does mention shaking things up and like, changing things for people that they might be like, Hey, don't, don't change that on me yet, but that's what you're here for. And it's, it's a lot of leadership energy too. So that is so wild. Cause as I hear that, I'm like, when I hear confrontation, power control, I have this, like, I, I, you know, I, I move away from it. It scares me Mm -hmm. natural. It doesn't, but I think, um, again, going back into like, uh, the, all the Myers-Briggs stuff, I can't help but see all these connections. Right. So know, like right? that, um, introverted feeling, which I, I lead with in the sense that of, of when I make decisions and it's this, um, is this in alignment with me? Is this right? When you talked about feeling compelled to do something, um, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like causing problems. I don't like making waves, but when there's something that's a really strong value of mine. And I see, like you said, when you see something that needs to change, mm-hmm. that's the only time I feel compelled to speak up, deal with what might end up being an initial confrontation or something. And, and so I, as you're saying all that, I'm like, oh, all the pieces are falling together that this is obviously something I need to get over. I need to find ways to um, Mm -hmm. do that. So that's, thank you for looking that up. Well, there's just going to an awareness that it's not going to hit everyone. Well, no one like, not everybody likes change and not everybody likes people to point out things that need to be changed. So automatically you're going to be hit with resistance just because that's hard for people to swallow. I think a lot of the time, but because you are so, you have so much power and you're here for, to lead whatever it is that you're shaking up or changing, ultimately it will be for the better. And the people that are there will see it and go, Oh, okay. So like, yeah, she came in and changed this, the program that we used or hired and fired or whatever it is that you, that you would do but it was for the better and it was to help. And because you're a left angle cross, you, and this is unconscious to you, you approach things for the other. Like you come at it as a, how can be top of mind for you? It's just an unconscious energy you come at things with. So awesome. yeah. Thank you. This is so fascinating. This has been, I, I still have 5 million questions. I'll probably ask you at some point about all. Oh, these- it's okay. You can message me whenever you want and I'll answer questions for you, but we'll also do this again. And you can ask me a bunch of questions, but now I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. I always end the podcast with a question. So today's question for you is when you were young and growing up mm-hmm. and you would visit like your friends or your relatives, families, houses, whatever, what in a house 
made you know that that person was rich or well off? <laughs> um, uh, I saw this question somewhere once. I thought it was so fascinating. And the thing that came to mind then, and it's coming to mind now too, um, is this is going to maybe sound silly, but something about uh, two story houses, honestly. <laughs> two I, have that, <laughs> I have that written down. <laughs> I just thought that was like, uh, I'm sure there are other things too, like um, two-story houses or like a pool that had the really nice stone around all of it, you know? Or a pool with a spa attached. Yeah. Whoa, fancy. Because <laughs> I had a pool, but we were pretty low class, lower class, but the ones with the spas attached with like the rock waterfalls and yes. stuff, I was like, yes. oh, wow, you are fancy if you have that. <laughs> I have a two-story house. I have multi-car garage as one. Yes. Yes. I had an island, a kitchen island, because we, I grew up in the 80s and nobody had a kitchen island. Galley kitchens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so whenever I saw that in someone's house, I was like, this is like extra, extra counter space in the middle. This is, this is confusing, but you must be rich. So I think, oh, and then I had like, if it had a second floor, like a deck, an outside area yes. off of the second floor, I was like, whoa, you're, yes. my best friend had that. And I was like, Oh my God. Another one for me is, um, uh, and they're so commonplace now, but, um, refrigerators that had ice or water on the front. <gasps> <of them>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never had that yeah. ice trays. I mean, we still have ice trays, but yeah, one of those automatic water and ice things. Uh huh. Yep. That's so funny that everything we're mentioning isn't like every house now, but yeah, I when know. I was growing up, I was like, you can fit more than one car in your garage. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, I love it so much. I love these questions. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. You're welcome. I love for people to get to know us in a different way. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This was totally different from what I'm used to doing, but it was really refreshing. And I had nothing to worry about because I'm I'm it's not that I knew all the answers. It's just that I'm so I'm so familiar with all the stuff because I love human design. And every time you ask me a question, I was like, <gasps> I know the answer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I know exactly what I'm gonna say. So that just gives me, you just gave me a lot of confidence. I don't know if you know that, but you gave me a whole bunch of confidence that I'm gonna take with me into my business. And if you have questions about human design ever, you message me right away and I'll answer them. Send me your husband's stuff too, and I can find out his stuff. Um, also, tell us where we can find you, like on Instagram and social media and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I am at the moment where, okay, so the, the two main places at the moment, I do have Twitter, but I have it. <laughs> I have a, I have a, uh, I go back and forth with social media all the time when I feel overwhelmed just by the I've world. Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. Um, and I love it. I have a great community there and I don't want to lose them. I just, I I'm taking a little break from, I just tried to pare it down, uh, just recently. Uh -huh. Um, so at the moment, um, I am on Instagram at just Caitlin Hockett. Um, so I'll spell it since it's C-A-I-T-L-I-N-H-A-W-E-K-O-T-T-E. Um, so that's Instagram. And then, uh, I'm also on clubhouse under my name or my username instead of Caitlin, cause it doesn't fit is Kate C A T E pocket. Um, so I do a, a room at the moment, I'm doing a weekly room with a couple of friends on there. We're all three certified in Myers-Briggs and Clifton strengths Mondays, 3 PM Pacific on clubhouse. Yes. And that stuff is super interesting. And I should check out your group sometime. I pop in and out of clubhouse, but I get so like overwhelmed with the amount of rooms and nervous and I'll eventually go into something, 
but it was wonderful to have you and you'll be on again and you can ask me more questions because that was really fun. So you're welcome. And thank y'all for listening. I hope that you learned something in this podcast and I hope that you will tune in again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Chatting Human Design. Join me again soon. Have a fantastic day.